week's message called it you aren't until you are it may not make sense but i'll hopefully be clarifying that in the next few minutes but there are so few things that we can rely on and there are so few things that are absolute there are so few things that are actually within our control but we can make choices and there are decisions that have little to no impact and there are those that are life-changing even life-saving and this morning we're going to talk about what happens when you make the most important decision and choice that you will ever make and what the consequences and benefits of, the, of that choice is and i think i'm going to do this in a little bit of a reverse order on the background screen behind me are these words it says you aren't until you are and then it parenthetically says and then you absolutely are and in between these two-part statements are, are some words somewhat randomly placed. They say valued and forgiven and treasured and loved and redeemed, protected, chosen, restored, adopted, cared for. And these are wonderful, comforting, maybe even encouraging and motivating words, and I sure hope so, because they are just some of the ways your Heavenly Father wants to bless you. You are treasured and you are valued, not because of a job title, not because of any financial strength or security or anything that the world says makes you valuable or successful. Real value is based on something, on, on, on what something is worth. And several years ago, I, I had this analogy. I remember Sequoia helped me with it. I, I have a favorite pen. And I, it's funny, I didn't have to go look for it in my backpack. I have one up here. This Pilot G2 pen, fine tip, like those are ultra fine. It's like, it's a super fine one. Most people would hate this, but I'm a printer, so. I had this and I said, what is this pen worth? And I know when I buy it off Amazon, it's about a buck a pen. But to me, it's worth a lot because this is my favorite pen and this is their favorite type of pen. But to someone else, it may not have any value whatsoever. And during that same message, I took some money. I borrowed this from Sherry. She told me not to rip it up like I did the last one. But this is really a bad example because I, before I said, what is this $20 bill worth? And it was worth $20. This is a $2 bill. I assume a $2 bill is worth $2 still. I don't know. They're kind of rare. But, uh, and I took it, remember, and I, I kind of wrinkled it up and I stepped on it and I said, is it, does anybody still want this money? And I had a lot of takers. So, you know, it's, it's this message, I, I, I wanted you to consider that analogy and, and I said, despite any dirt, like the dollar, any dirt that you have on you, and despite the wear and tear or any wrinkling or, or the, however many times you feel like you've been stepped on, God says you're worth so much to him that he sent his son to give his life as a redeeming sacrifice. Even if you feel crumpled or of, of you're odd or you've been stepped on, like I said, you are worth as much or anything is worth as much as someone is willing to pay. And God said, you're worth my son's life. John three sixteen through 17, we know this one. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. You are forgiven and you are redeemed. As much as we love our spouses and our friends, we still tend to hold on to our hurts and hang-ups, don't we? There are people in our lives that we withhold forgiveness because we think that they did or didn't do something. Or maybe we think they did or didn't do something, did something that's so heinous that they, they don't deserve it. 
or perhaps maybe even more often than not, it was, it was something relatively small or, or even something they weren't aware of. But we control justice, or we think we control justice by administering it ourselves, don't we? With all of God's grand nature and the complexity of everything that he is, he's actually quite simple in several ways. And this is what he says, ask. That's it. Repent and be forgiven. He said, just ask. I found this interesting. The distance from the North Pole to the South Pole, and this is if you're flying, not straight through the middle, is 12,436 miles and some change. And that's a long distance, but it's measurable. We can determine what that distance is. Now, the distance around the Earth at the equator, it changes with tides and such, but it's roughly 24,850 miles. So that, again, a long distance, but it's measurable. 24,850. If you were to start here and go all the way around from the east to west or west to east. But now listen to the words of Psalm 103, verses 8 through 12. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. Now here's the good news. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions. So I'm not saying this. He's saying this. You know, how do you measure the distance from the east is from the west? They're infinite. And I once heard described it this way. Man says, Jesus, how much do you forgive me? How much do you love me? And he says, and Jesus reached out his arms out wide, pointing in both directions and died. You are forgiven. And you are cared for and you are protected. We've talked about these aspects of God's blessing on, on us quite a bit lately. Last week's or this week's scripture, remember, I'm sorry, it was last week's scripture, remember from John 10, 20 through, 27 through 29. It's this week's scripture. Remember, I apologize. I'm saying that wrong. My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one can snatch them out of my father's hand. God's protective, caring hand is where we live. And you are adopted. Ephesians 1 through 46 is another verse we read often. For he chose you, I'm going to put you in it. For he chose you in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined you for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. He wanted to do this. He chose you to the praise of the glorious grace which he has freely given you and the one he loves. And its meaning is so incredibly beautiful. The Greek word that we translate to mean adoption is heotheseia. Heotheseia. And it means to make one's own child. Now think about how much you love your own child. You know if they irritate you? You love them. You love them in a way that's, and this is God's kind of love. And he's saying, I chose you to love you that way. You weren't born to me biologically. You weren't, this isn't the way things happen. I intentionally chose you as my child. And in the culture of the time, this also meant they received the full rights and privileges as an heir. Think about that for a moment. You are a full-fledged brother 
or sister of Christ, a part of God's intimate, close family, and you share in the inheritance. And this is by God's choice that you do. You were chosen and you are adopted. And there probably isn't much that I've shared this morning that, that is new to you. So let's take a, of this into consideration, all this into consideration, and fill in the blanks. You aren't redeemed until you are. And then you absolutely are. 100% fully vested, qualified, completely and forever. But to get from the you aren't to the you absolutely are takes a decision on your part. There isn't much in this life that you can truly control, but here is one, and it's a big one. It's the most important choice that you'll ever have or ever will make. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes or no? Yes or no? And if you aren't declaring your choice, if you're undecided, then honestly, you've made your choice. Because really, there's one answer, and that's yes. Everything else is a no. And it takes a physical and a spiritual response. Romans 10.9 tells us, if you declare with your mouth, if you say the words, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, that's your spirit, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Again, simple, simple. This is why you're asked the question when you're baptized. Do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Yes or no? You respond with words and then with an action as you accept the blessing of the baptism, the symbolism of what that means. And one thing that's interesting, and, and it's in Tahiti, it's a Tahitian wedding custom, and I won't go into why I know this, but they ask the question, Eta, which means, will you ever leave? And both the spouse and the groom say, Aeta, I will never leave. But how it's judged is by how loud and how determinate you are. And if you hear these things or watch these videos of these people, they're like screaming, I will never leave. And I think that's the kind of response that they're expecting when they say, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And you don't say, yes. Now put some water on me or, or don't be said, yes, 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 I want that. I need that. I'm excited. <clears throat> And if you haven't been baptized, then, then let's talk. It's never too, well, it is too, there is a point where it's too late. It's not too late now. It's not. If you need to reconnect, if you need to recommit your, your life, that doesn't mean anything you've done before doesn't count. But sometimes don't you need to say, hey, listen, I'm all in. I'm all in. And you say, I will accept him. Eric Hayden an author elaborates on this. He writes, I will accept him. This means more than accepting his claims and his influences. It means accepting him as a person with all he came to do for us guilty sinners. It means accepting the eternal life he came to give in response to our repentance and faith. So how do you accept him? I'm not asking do you accept religion, right? Because it was the religionists that crucified him. I'm asking, do you accept him. He tells a story. He says, a young boy came home from Sunday school and told his father that he had been asked to let Jesus into his heart. And the father says, and what did you say, son? He says, well, dad, I didn't have a definite answer. And that is the tragedy of, tragedy of so many. 
no definite answer to this vital personal question that will change all things in time and eternity. Like I said, there's one answer because everything else is a, is a no. Remember who he is. Jesus, who is called Christ. Christ, that is Messiah, God's anointed one, God's own deliverer and savior for the world. Not a mere teacher or a good example to follow. He is those things, but not just those things. No, he is the divine son of God, the savior of the world. If you accept him now, as if he was standing on trial, if, if you were Peter who denied him three times, what will you do with Jesus if asked? Will you evade him as Pilate did? Will you choose him, whatever happens? Or will you give your heart to him today? Will you follow him? Will you obey him? Will you say, I will do this with Jesus? Here's another insight to considering when asking, what does it mean to accept Jesus as your personal savior? Again, it means accepting who Jesus Christ is. The Bible tells us that Jesus is God in the flesh, God in human form. This is from John 1, verse 1 and 14. And it says, God came to earth to teach us, heal us, correct us, forgive us, and die for us. Jesus Christ is, is God, the creator, the sovereign Lord. Have you accepted him for who he is? And accepting him means that you know that you need a savior. The Bible tells us that we have all sinned. We know that. We all have committed evil acts. We have all fallen short of what we're commanded to do. And as a, as a result of sin, we deserve God's anger and judgment. We do. We do. And the only just, punish, just punishment for sins is an infinite punishment. And that's why we need a savior. We need to be saved. We need to be redeemed, restored. Jesus came to earth and died in our place. Jesus' death was an infinite payment for our sins. It is finished once and for all, for all times. Jesus died to pay the penalty for your sins and for mine. And Jesus paid the price so that we would not have to. Jesus' resurrection from the dead proved that his death was sufficient to pay the penalty for our sins, paid in full. And that's why Jesus is the one, the only Savior. Are you trusting Jesus as your Savior? That's what we're asking. And it also means accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. You know, many people think Christianity is attending church or, or performing rituals, whatever that may mean, or not committing certain sins or doing a particular good deed. That's not Christianity. Christianity is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. Accepting Jesus as your personal savior means placing your own personal faith and trust in him. No one is saved by the faith of others. I can't save you. I can, I can guide you into a relationship. Your spouse can't save you. They can encourage you and guide you into a relationship. But these are very personal decisions. That's why I'm saying this is you and you alone. But you've got a lot of people pulling for you and a lot of motivation. Again, I want to invite you to say yes in your heart. Friends, we use so many church words. So let me offer this alternate definition to one of our favorites, and that's the word faith. 
faith, consider your acceptance of Jesus' acceptance of you. Okay? That is faith. Accepting that Jesus has accepted you. And if you can look at it that way, you'll find that you can love yourself. You'll find that you can forgive yourself. And when you find that you can love yourself and forgive yourself, you'll find that you can love others and forgive others as well. That's faith. So what will you do? What will you choose? And as I conclude, I just want to share a short story about a young man by the name of Martin Treptow. If anybody's heard of the name of Martin Treptow. He was a young man. He served in World War I, and he was carrying a message. And um, he ran and ran. And it wasn't, I, I thought he might be the guy that the movie 1917 is based on, and it's not. But Martin Treptow had this message to deliver, and he was unfortunately gunned down and killed before he delivered it. But when they, when they were able to recover his body, and, and they found his diary, and they read his diary, and actually Ronald Reagan um, does a great speech about being a patriot, being a warrior patriot. And in this, he also refers to Martin Treptow. But in this, he, he finds this thing written in this guy's diary. And he says, America must win this war. He says, therefore, I will work, I will save, I will sacrifice, I will endure. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. This is going to say that last sentence again. I will fight cheerfully and do my utmost as if the issue of the whole struggle depended on me alone. The struggle for your soul depends on you alone. But just until you make that life-changing and life-saving decision, and then the battle goes for suddenly from struggle to one, to one, because the battle's already been won. So what will you do? What will you choose? Be absolutely blessed because you are always loved and you are treasured. But once you say, God, I want you, I want a relationship with you. I want to know Jesus Christ. Accept him free who you are. I'm restored 100%. I am redeemed. I am cared for. I am adopted. Instant win. Instant win. Again, anytime you want to talk about any of these things we talk about, if you just need someone to talk to, if you have questions or concerns or doubts, or you feel like I need to know more, I need to make a commitment, I want to be here and assist you in that. I want to guide you into that relationship. Let's make that choice. Let's pray. Father, good. How good it is to know that we can go from struggling to victory immediately because the victory has been won. You sent your son. He has overcome the world. And to that end, he says, take heart. You will have troubles in this world. Take heart, I have overcome the world. Lord, we are on your team. All we have to do is say yes. We don't even have to raise our hand and say, pick me, because you picked us already. You have chosen us. We just need to say, I'm in. I am 100% in. Lord, life is difficult. Life is good, but life is hard. And whatever we may be facing now or, or in the future, or maybe even in the past, Lord, there are things that get in our way. Stumbling blocks to our faith. Stumbling blocks to our goodness, to our path towards redemption. Father, you just say, accept me and I will watch out for you. I will protect you and care for you and nothing will snatch you out of my hand. So let us continue this fight. Let's struggle 
utmost as if the battle is ours to fight alone, but knowing all along that you're with us. Lord, I thank you as always for this church, this congregation. Thank you, Lord, for sending your son so that we have this thing we call Christianity, which is not a club we sign up for. It's not a card we carry, a secret handshake. It's a hope we have. We thank you for giving us that hope. Lord, may all we do please you and may we be changed for hearing this message. And Lord, may we shout in our hearts, Aita. Okay, we will never leave. We are all in and we accept you. Amen.